This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah. That I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, it's specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? Visit. I like to tow stuff. But you don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. <laughs> I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit <laughs> NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. Hi, my name is Roy Wood Jr., And I feel thankful about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello, Conan O'Brien here. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. And uh, I feel like I have two friends with me right now, Sonam Obsession, hmm. and I believe it's Matt, Matthew, Matt Gorley. Oh. I think we're pals. We have a good flow. People like the way that uh, we work together. That's weird that, yeah, people like our kind of relationship, even though I don't think we do. Mm. You know? <laughs> I don't think that's important. Yeah. The chef doesn't have to love what he's making. I see. You know, and um, he I, doesn't. He probably should, shouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, why would he make something he doesn't like? That doesn't make sense. What a terrible chef. <laughs> yeah, what are we doing here? Here you go. Some more shit I make. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think this is a lovely eclair. Oh, no. Shit. I hated it. Why do you hate it so much? Since childhood, struck by lightning, everything tastes like shit to me. Why did you become a chef? I heard I like the hat. It's fun to wear it. It's called a toque. All right. Just, really? You got into this? All food that you ingest tastes like excrement to you? Total shit! Because you were struck by lightning as a child. So you serve it, and I hate it. Even watching you eat it makes me sick. But you stayed in it because of the toque. Why are you going over this again and again? We established everything. It's, it seems like bad improv trick. <laughs> Not at all. I'm just trying to say that you tasted things and they, hey, we've gone through it. Why do you repeat so much? Well, it turns out I was struck by lightning and uh, as a child. And so I tend to overset things up. That's what I do. You and I could be friends, both struck by lightning. You set things up. Right. I tend to set things up. Now, just to summarize, you were hit by lightning. Oh, I'm going to fucking kill you. And then it made you 
go over things too much when you're doing a podcast. Is that right? Uh, man, I don't know where that one started, but yeah. I think we had a good time. We had a good journey. Oh, man. We learned a lot, I think, about ourselves. And about <laughs> I learned you did you can do a French accent, a German accent, and an Italian accent all at the same and time. And they all sound end up sounding Russian. Yeah. yeah. But that, at least oh, by it the wasn't way, Nixon. That guy was from Croatia. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to clear the air on that. Yeah. You know I just why Croatia popped into my head? Huh. I, I took a uh you know, a, a Uber today. Uh, to get here, and I, um, my, I, I'm a guy who talks to the driver. I always like to. I'm one of those people. I don't know where you guys fall. No, I, I choose no conversation. On you do you really do that? that? Yeah, I do. I, I just, I'm not good at small talk. I don't mean that to be antisocial, right, but right. I just, I want to okay. like, sleep. Okay. And what I about do, you? Sona? I do both. So I'm either not talking at all, or he's coming up into my apartment checking out the sofa I'm trying to get rid of. And that's a true story. <laughs> that's a true story. Sona, you yeah. got to have boundaries. Yeah, you I got know. boundaries. You're right. You're right. That's that's funny that you're either or. I'm going to tell you this. I do not. I've seen the the little switch that says no, that you can tap that says no conversation. This is me, to be completely honest. I'm afraid that if I hit that, they're going to think, oh, I'm driving a, like a stuck up snob. Yeah. And so I will never hit that. And then I go too far the other way. Where they hit it on you. Trust me. I think some <laughs> of these people would. Because I say, I mean, this guy today, I could tell he was from, you know, and I said, well, where are you from? And a lot of times this is actually works out nicely because, uh, there are many drivers who are Armenian. Yeah. Then we chat and they know that I've been to Armenia with you and we have like a really good conversation yeah. and they like that I know like three words. And, in uh, English. In English. <laughs> but then uh, today the guy was from Croatia and we were just talking back and forth and I got his whole story, like his whole life story. It was actually pretty fascinating. Huh. And so I got out of the car and I felt like, oh good, I, I, really, I really got to know that guy. Yeah, I hope right. he liked it too. You made a friend. He had no idea who I was. He was asking me what I do, and I just said, I just work in television. Um, I think he thinks I'm a TV repairman. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I fix flat screens, but we had a, it was, it was really nice. I don't know. That's cool. You made a new friend. I think no, that's... I don't, I think, I think that's it. Oh, I think okay. that's it. Well, mm. it, at least it was pleasant. Because yeah. I think you have to be too. If you're not a pleasant person, that could like, peep, and if someone recognizes you, then. Well, this is something uh, I've, very envious of are the people who have made their reputation mm -hmm. and we've, you know, like a Jack Nicholson or a Harrison Ford or like people who are, you know, these big stars, obviously in this whole other caliber than anything I would ever be. But if you went up to them and said, Hey man. And they said, fuck off. You'd say, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. I I'm, I'm not that person. If someone came up to me and I went, he's better. Fuck off. <laughs> Uh, it's like, you're an asshole. Dancing around like an idiot on TV all those years, you acting all friendly. You're a sham. And then yeah. they would just start hitting me with a two by four. That's yeah. true. That's mm. true. Yeah. yeah, I know. But that's, I don't, I mean, you can't be that guy. You can't be like well, a so Jack I don't, I don't, or a Harrison Ford. No, 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 I don't. I don't have that uh, incredible, So I'm not self-possessed like that. And I also, those are people that are larger than life. You yeah. see them on the screen and they're larger than life. I managed to be much smaller in life because people have seen me on small televisions. Mm -hmm. Well, and you need people to like you. Yeah. You mean, I, oh, like I need a friend? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a I little think, breakthrough here. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think they could like punch someone in the face and people would be like, oh my God, he punched me in the face. And then with you, they'd just sue you. <laughs> <laughs> well, also they'd have to feel it first. <laughs> and then so like, was that a cool breeze? <laughs> I just gave you a, a chop to the jaw. I just I just played a little chin music with uh, with my right hook. <laughs> Oh, I didn't really. Oh, so you struck me? Yes, I did. Oh, I thought a, I thought a, a very old butterfly had a stroke, and then a cool wind blew it against my cheek. But if you struck me, I'm suing you now. All right, I'll pay up. I don't think that would go too well. Uh, but anyway, were you signaling me that I should get on with it? Yeah. Okay. It was awkward because then I just looked at you and you didn't signal me. I did. I held up the rap sign. I know, but I didn't. I saw something in my peripheral vision. And this is a note to all my would-be attackers. I think I'm losing my peripheral vision. Oh. So ninjas, time to get me. 
I saw a little flash. Oh, I saw. Uh-huh. I saw a finger, a middle finger, go up for I think for half a uh-huh. second. I was just itching my eye. Okay, well, okay. again, peripheral uh-huh. vision starting to go. You uh-huh. thought now that your peripheral vision's going away, now ninjas can attack you, as in before <laughs> yes. when you had it. Oh, I like, think ninjas oh, are going to be fine back. with a full frontal assault on <laughs> please, you. Please, I think first of all, <laughs> I think there's a whole many, many, many different sections of the assassin. League that have been trying to get me for years, but they I have legendary peripheral vision. So the ninjas have just been waiting around, smoking cigarettes, playing mahjong, waiting. Ninjas don't smoke cigarettes. Yes, they do. Oh, they're such chain smokers. They cut out little holes in the ninja mask. They puff away. Well, now they do e-cigarettes. Those ones that smell like bubble gum. You're like, do I smell bubble gum? Oh, look, ninjas waiting for Conan to lose his peripheral vision. And reading Us magazine. <laughs> they broke up. They sure did. Oh, they seem like such a good couple. Hey, I just heard that from an eye doctor that Conan's losing his peripheral vision. Everyone get your throwing stars. It's time. <laughs> All right. Too much idiocy. My guest today is a hilarious comedian and correspondent on The Daily Show. Starting September 15th, he'll be on his Happy to Be Here live tour. Tickets are available at livenation.com. Uh, I'm just happy he's here. Roy Wood Jr., welcome. You, and I know you like deflect compliments. You're like very good at like... (laughs) I'm a ninja. Dodging flowers (laughs) when they are thrown at you. I feel, and I started comedy in 98. I feel like your program did more for the growth of stand-up comedy as a genre I would argue you and the Bob and Tom program mm-hmm. in terms of the volume of stand-up comedians, new stand-up comedians yeah. that they exposed to the world. Maybe Comic View, but that was only two or three years. But like there was a stretch in my career where you were the only show that would work me. And me and J.P. Buck, who was your talent, your yeah. stand-up booker, and I met J.P. years earlier on Star Search, the Star Search reboot with Arsenio in like right. 02 or something. Right. That single credit, that was the only four and a half minutes I was on television every year for four years was your show. And that single credit would get me another year in the college market, which got me enough money to stay in L.A. another year because the colleges were paying the bills. The road money was negligible because at this point I moved to L.A. Like I was making like, I don't know, 1200 a week minus commissions, minus airfare. Right. So it's just a break even damn near. But that show, man. Well, you know, it's opportunities. not. I got to tell you something, though. It's it's interesting. First of all, I'll take that because that's and, and I, I'm very appreciative that we were able to have so much comedy on. But I'll tell you this. And this is true. I wasn't doing you any favors because you are always funny. You're always funny and you're so good. So when I could say, OK, I got an hour. We got an hour of show to do tonight. But there's six minutes or seven minutes at the end that Roy's going to take over <laughs> and it's going to be really good. You're doing me a favor, you know, so it works Thank both you. ways. It's one of those things where it's a, it's just a two way street. So you always it. made uh, brought a lot of professionalism and really funny stuff to my show. And I wanted to start by we've had I want to start today by saying uh, that I saw your performance on the White House Correspondents Dinner. And I thought you were fantastic. I thought you were absolutely fantastic. And I've done that venue. uh, I've played that thing twice. Uh, Once uh, uh, under Clinton, but the hardest one was following Obama, which, uh, and Obama, he had, I mean, it was almost like he was hosting The Daily Show. He had audio visual. He had, you know, they had all this stuff. He had all these writers working on it. He had, uh, I mean, it was perfectly produced. I think he spent more time on that White House Correspondents Dinner than he did. I bet the economy tanked that the week that he did the Correspondents Dinner. And he just, you know, and so my experience was, and I'm sure it's, maybe it's the same, but you sit with the First Lady. Is that, was that your experience? Sit right next to Joe Biden. Yeah. And my experience was I'm sitting next to Michelle Obama and Obama's up there and he's killing and I know I'm supposed to follow him. And I've got all these jokes, which I think are pretty good. I've worked hard on it. He's, they don't let you know what, what the president's going to do. Yes. And the president gets to go first. Yes. 
So you're there with all these jokes you've been working on for six months, and they're saying Obama's up there, and he'll he'll do one that's kind of close to something that I was going to do. Yeah, because it's all the same stuff in the news. So I'm trying to flip through all my blue cards and take out the ones that he's touching to drop them. Yeah. But at the same time, Michelle yeah. Obama's talking to me, and she's saying, "So your children are how old now, Conan?" And, <laughs> and at one point, and it's so funny because she's because yes. she's the greatest. She's such a lovely. I've I've friendly with her she's such a lovely person she's the star in every room she's beautiful she's really funny but in this one moment i'm thinking would you please leave me alone <laughs> Shut up. I've, got to, I've got to figure out if he's doing my debt ceiling joke or not i can't remember who it was next to trevor noah last mm-hmm. year when trevor did the correspondence dinner but trevor came up there and was like straight laser focused on yep. his set and whoever it was on one side of Trevor, somebody was like, well, why aren't you talking to Trevor? Why didn't you talk to Trevor? They were like, he was focusing on his stuff. Yeah. He didn't have time to chit-chat. Is the way not to do comedy is to make the comedian sit out in front of the audience for an hour and a half mm. and then watch someone else go up and get the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and and uh, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy kind of show business, but it's a fascinating experience I later got to talk on this program, I got to talk to President Obama and I said, you know, it's so unfair because you were so, <laughs> I said, you're so good and you've got all the best material and the, you are the most powerful person in the world and comedy is all about status and you get to go first. And then mm-hmm. with no ceremony, the minute he's done, they just go like, let's do my Conan Bryan. No buffer. <laughs> no buffer, nothing. nothing. And he said, yeah, 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 I know. I know it's not fair, but uh, I don't care. That <laughs> <laughs> is just so true. What does he care? And then Biden Biden closes with this dark Brandon joke, which mm-hmm. I guess is like his alter ego. Yeah, with the sunglasses. Yeah. yeah. And so then he's standing there while I'm being introduced. Still, milk, te- still milking the milking. last. Yeah. Milking. Yeah. Still playing in the room. And now I have to walk past him to get to the insulin. Come on, man. You just rip. Just go. Leave, just get the hell out of here. Why no, are you? It's not. Saying? You know, it's funny. It's not. It's. Uh, it, it's not about the comedian on those nights. That's the other thing. Joe Biden's in my ear. I'm going over cards, and then my writers are texting. Hey, man, Kellyanne Conway's in the room. Hey, I'm on Twitter right now. Turns out Fauci did show up. If you have a Fauci joke, maybe you should add a Fauci joke. And then they're they're just ganging jokes in the WhatsApp thread, and I'm like, guys, everyone, please shut the fuck up. I can't. Yes. Focus. Yeah. But thanks for that information. Bill Barr is here. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, Caitlyn Jenner's here. Okay, cool. And it's a lot, but it's just trying to figure out at that point where to add a joke. I would say that's when the set for me was like, okay, these are the jokes. Yes. Fauci, all right, maybe. And then Biden goes up. Biden stepped on, I had a Rupert Murdoch Fox News joke that I just threw out altogether because Biden's was funnier. Yep. And I just, I, I could do mine, but it's not going to. Why even bother? And then his Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon stuff hit so hard that I reordered. Yep. I changed the bad in order to create more space between those two topics for me. I was doing the same thing. Like this joke comes out, this joke comes out. Okay, Obama just hit that. This joke comes out. This joke's still mm-hmm. okay, but it flips up here now because it's got to go earlier to sort of tag what he said. And you're doing yeah. all that while the uh, most important woman in the country is chatting you up about, you know, what college do you think your daughter might be interested in? We, we, we talked about Alabama mm-hmm. and the South and barbecue. And I was nervous in a weird way because like I like my first inclination when I spoke with her was just to go, don't worry, you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this, are you, are you just gaming me to find out what I'm going to say about sure. you? Sure. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of that shit the week of get DMs from people at particular news organizations. Hey, man, how you been? Uh, You ready for Saturday? I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to butter me up. Yeah. So I don't go after you. Yeah. So, no, she was was very nice, but we're not talking policy and how to solve immigration. Right. It's just, oh, Alabama barbecue tastes different from Carolina barbecue. Yes, you're right, it does. It's still such a weird event. And then how, how, for me, and I don't know if this was right, but I chose to also have a care of concern for how the outside world would consume my performance. Mm-hmm. Because everyone goes, oh, it's a corporate, treat it like a corporate gig for an auto manufacturer company. You're just going to do your, your car jokes, car industry jokes, and they're going to like them. But I'm like, yeah, but there's 
people are going to watch this later. And I kind of want to have a joke that they kind of yeah. would relate to. So how do we balance the two? And so then it just became how to use pop culture yep. in there as kind of the glue. Like yeah. for as long as you hear a word of a thing that you recognize and you're familiar with. Yeah. Like the joke at the top about the Fox News. I'm not going to do any jokes about Dominion because Dominion will come after you. Matter of fact, Dominion is my favorite voting machine. <laughs> if you and want the truth, have Dominion in the booth. booth. Yeah. Such a great joke. Yeah. So then the tag was, if there's people, there's, there's the original joke was, if there's two people you don't want to see in court, it's Dominion and Cardi B. Yeah. Either you know the Cardi B four million defamation suit story. Yep. yep. Or you don't. Yeah. Then one of my writers, I got to give credit to Lily, Lily Bumpkin. Uh, she's over at The Daily Show. Lily goes, also Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. And I go, ah, I just, I don't you swim widened, in that world. But guess what? What she, which is smart and credit to your writer that, and, and, and you for seeing that or, or that resonating with you is, okay, now you've led everybody into the tent. Because if you don't know Cardi B, you definitely know, that means you were definitely following Gwyneth's trial and saying, um, yeah. you know, and so, I mean, that's, that brings up, one tag informs you about the tag you don't understand. Yeah. You were hitting both sides, which doesn't always happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought, uh, so yeah, you can get up there and you can go after Tucker Carlson, but you were also had plenty of stuff on Don Lemon and it was pretty clear that you were not playing favorites with the right or the left, which I think is yeah. really important right now. The debate, the biggest debate within assembling the whole set was when do we hit Biden? Do you hit them before or after Trump mm -hmm. to set up the whole idea of, oh, no, I'm going to go at the liberals, too. Sure. But if you go at Biden too soon, you lose the whole room. Yep. Because you haven't earned their trust with any joke. It's like, so what do you do? Yeah. So we just we we stack the set with what I like to call soft targets first that I feel like everybody in the room would be OK with. So Fox News, Tucker, Santos, Don Lemon. Right. And then Trump a little bit, but not too much Trump as to not make it think that this whole thing is about Trump. Yep. Then you go into everybody else. You're, you had this great joke about, you know, France is burning to the ground because they people do not want to work an extra two years. They want to retire at 62, not 64. And they're literally burning Paris. And he said, and in, <laughs> we have a guy here who's 81. <laughs> or 80 and is begging us to get to work for four more years. And to me, that was, I mean, I was laughing really hard, but it's also so fun to see Biden has to laugh, you know, yeah. and it's also a really funny joke. It's a really funny joke that you can relate to. And it's not, <laughs> but I thought what was really smart is the first thing you do when you get up to the podium, because you got to get them early. First thing you do when you got up to the podium is you said, oh, there's, I think you left some documents up here. <laughs> <laughs> First just, joke. And it's just silly because it's so silly that he accidentally <laughs> left some top secret documents at the podium and they cut to him and he laughs. And it's like, you know, that's to me, that's great because you broke the ice. And it's also it's such a silly joke. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 silly that he gets up on the podium and leaves some top secret documents. I was I was howling at that. It was great yeah. to have right away that. But that was horrific because I can't. That was a bit I couldn't run into comedy clubs. I mean, you know me, I'm going to try and get all word perfect. Yep, yep. Which you can't do. You can try, but it's not possible. So I knew where the tent pole laughs were. Yeah, yeah. Like the, I knew where the support beams were. Yeah. But all that stuff in between, I didn't know if the document, if that document joke doesn't work, I'm screwed. It's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus, they also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. 
Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. (laughs) Well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. uh, So I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on oh, this? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, and you know another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not oh. with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm-hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not, that's more people than are on earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. (laughs) That's one over 1 billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I think I read somewhere that once you used to talk to your hamster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guinea pig. Yeah, Joel. <laughs> yeah. You go into the room. Full blown conversation. <laughs> like, hey, I disagree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're actually oh, yeah, getting call into and response. It. Yeah, not like just you only understand me. Like, yeah, so what do you think? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, well, maybe I'll do that. Today they would medicate you. That's the problem. <laughs> Not realizing that that was the medication because sure. that was the outlet. I went outside. I played. I stayed out of trouble for the most part in the neighborhood. Uh, my mom got me a really nice basketball goal. There was a park up the street. I grew up on the west side. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a park on Pearson Avenue called Powderly Park. And that was the free public park with the courts. What do you mean drinking and fighting? And it, like there was always something going on. So my mom, to keep me from going to Powderly all the time, 
She got me in the boys club. And then she also put a basketball goal in my yard. The way our yard was set up, we had really high trees. So we had the only shaded driveway in peak 1 p.m. Alabama heat. So everybody would come from Powderly. Why play in direct sunlight when we go play at Roy Wood's house? And so people would just come to... And it was out it's of respect. very smart of your mom to 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 do that because it's they say when you become a parent and then your kids as mine are teenagers everyone says you want your house to be the base you want people coming over to your house because nice. it's safer yeah yeah and all you have to do is my mom is just listen for the dribble of the ball so you know I'm out there yeah and so that became a way that I met everybody in the neighborhood and out of respect to my father my parents all the riffraff that happened at Powderly never happened at our house just on some. You know, just on some respect your elders type shit. Yeah. I want to make sure I educate anyone who's listening that you mentioned your father. Your father, Roy Wood Sr., was uh, a radio broadcasting journalism pioneer and also in the trenches of the civil rights movement in the 60s. Yeah. And you've said he was, if there's any march with Dr. King in it, your dad has a good chance. (laughs) Three rows back. He's probably three rows (laughs) back. And people in the neighborhood then knew that, obviously, that respect probably emanated out from your father and your mother. Thousand percent. Gave you some some sense of protection. My father was the voice in the car when their parents took them to school, mm-hmm. doing the news on the black radio station. So you can listen to all the black music you want in the morning, but when they stop for that news break on the fives, that's my pops. Yeah. So that got me a lot of equity within the city. But I wouldn't say that I was even remotely like on some funny sense of humor shit until high school. And even then it was only baseball. Because that was where you could be silly because it's sports. It's a permission, especially in high school. It's a per- Sports is permission to behave in ways you're not allowed to at school. Hmm. So you tell all the crash jokes, you make fun of each other. like, And then we would just, as, as a bench warmer in high school, your job is to heckle the other team. Yeah, Just heckle them into oblivion. I was good because that's all I had to do. So there were days where... I would literally sit and write heckles in class. <laughs> to get ready for your game. To get ready for the game. <laughs> like, and uh-huh. just. That's great. Brutal shit, bro. Like stuff you couldn't even, places you yeah. couldn't even go with humor now, but just brutal and just yelling it across the diamond at a total stranger and seeing the look of frustration in their face. Like, I know I'm getting to you. And then to the point where, if you got the if you got the parents to chuckle, like that was an applause break. If you got the umpire to call timeout because the umpire had to laugh, that's a standing ovation. <laughs> and that was the goal. The goal every game was to break the umpire. <laughs> but not uh, realizing that that was essentially just honing improv chops. Sure, yeah. And just working on crowd work. It's a crowd work. Set. Well, all this stuff... Everyone has their own versions about it, uh, versions of it. But I know what you're talking about, which is, you know, we, I come from a big family. So we all sit around this round table that's still at my parents' house. I know exactly where I sat. And I know that that's where I tried to get the whole table laughing. I was in JROTC in high school. And when we would have to do drill um, some mornings and we would start with running, they had like this quadruple tennis court. Yeah. So we'd have to do laps around the whole perimeter of this tennis court. And as we're jogging, I'm calling the jog like a Kentucky Derby. <laughs> and they're getting to turn two, turn two, and they're pulling even. It's Roy next to Monica. Monica coming up on the outside, coming up on the inside. It's Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major, Sergeant Major. It's coming in. <laughs> and, and you're supposed to be controlling your breath because you're running and I'm you're doing this bullshit. It doesn't matter. Like, um, Wood's falling short. Wood's falling short. But as they get into that, like, that was... That was who I was. Yeah. Just so we're laughing as we're running around the space. And that's when you start learning about comedy as this like tool of manipulation. Like yep. it's it's literally, I bet you I can make you detour from whatever your mental objectives are right now <laughs> by doing something. <laughs> it's like tickling yep. with your mouth. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm curious. Your father, this very revered figure, I think he passed away when you were pretty young. Yeah, you, 16. 16 years old. Would he have, what would he think of your career in, as a stand-up? Would he approve of that of of that move? I don't think so. He would approve now based on the material that mm-hmm. I'm doing now. Right. But you also have to remember, 
my father like saw every horrible thing that you could name because he just had to cover it in the name of journalism. Yeah. Like foreign war reporting. So he saw like African civil wars, which are way worse in terms of body counts and the heinousness because a lot of that goes underreported, right? So he's seen stuff. So nothing's funny to him. And so case in point, when he worked at WVON in Chicago, my father was the first news director at this black-owned black news station. And mm-hmm. We are a news station that only does black news. Like if, like if the N in NPR stood for... <laughs> Say it. (laughs) No. (laughs) So they were dedicated to the black experience and uplifting black people. My father hires a guy named Don Cornelius um, to be a DJ. He Don Cornelius was a was a police officer in Chicago. He put my father over, gave him a ticket. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's where Don. Okay, Don's Don Cornelius's origin story. He was a member of law enforcement for about a year, maybe less than two for sure. Pulls my dad over. In the course of giving my father a ticket, my dad just goes, you have a nice voice. Here's my card. (laughs) Quit doing this shit. Come by the radio station. So Don Cornelius starts in radio under my father as a reporter at WVON. And during that time, as Don's understanding the media grows, he comes up with the idea for Soul Train. Comes to my dad. My dad was one of the initial investors and gave Don some of the money that he used ultimately for the first pilot for Soul Train. And then when it came time to give my dad his money back, Don Cornelius goes to my father. It's like, hey, man, instead of me paying you back, why don't you just stay on board? You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, this, this is, I just want you to be a part of this. To which my dad told Don Cornelius, and I quote, motherfucker, nobody wants to watch niggas dance for an hour. Give me my fucking money. So my dad just was not with party culture. Yeah. He was not Didn't. with fun. He just couldn't see well, it. Also, I mean, yeah, and you it's hard to blame him because of everything he saw and being in the trenches of the civil rights movement like that. And then some the dude's just going, What if we dance all day? <laughs> People have giant afros. Yes. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it. That that celebration of blackness creates the black pride that helps to drive people wow. to want more for themselves, for yeah. their community. He couldn't see it. Uh, when I was in middle school, I was in a dunk tank for our soccer team to raise money for jerseys. And my dad came into the dunk tank and cussed me out and told me to get out the dunk tank in front of everybody. Like, get out of there. You're nobody's fool. You ain't gonna be nobody's fool. All this joking and shucking. Get that wow. lesson. I'm like, it's a dunk tank. We're raising money. It's just, I'm just gonna get splashed in some water. Yeah, yeah. we're raising money so we have decent uniforms because when you're a black middle school, you're only playing whites. This is soccer in 88. There's not a lot of black schools playing soccer. So we're playing all of the, our uniforms, bro. Um, ping, we had ping. We borrowed jerseys from the, the partners in Neighborhood Growth, which was like the Police Athletic League at the time in Birmingham. So you have a community league that has jerseys. We're borrowing their jerseys. That's how poor our school was. And then my dad is like, nah, get your ass up out of there. And it was very embarrassing. And I just remember after that, I just never tried to be funny around him again because just you're not with jokes, bro. He was a lot of things. He was not hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) You know, for the longest time, because I talked to so many people, that is not your trajectory. You were serious about being a journalist. Yeah, dude, I was. You were a serious, uh, serious young man. I wanted to do sports, though. Let me add that caveat. I knew that I did not carry my dad's intensity. Right. And and mind you, the year before he died, when I was 15, I got my learner's permit. So I got to drive him to all of his speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. So I just sat and just watched him just go on stage and just spit fire for like a year and a half. Just churches and community centers and anything within three hours of Birmingham, I was the driver. And, and hey, boy, get off that Nintendo. Come take me to Tupelo. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. And I would just sit and just watch him just destroy with just words. But I knew I couldn't do that. It wasn't until Kenny Maine, there's four people. It's Stuart Scott, it's Kenny Maine, it's Jenny Mose from CNN, mm-hmm. and this guy, Van Earl Wright, who at the time was at CNN Headline News. I think he bounced around to a couple of sports organizations. But those four people were kind of like the brain trust. And then an honorable mention to Fred Hickman, RIP. But like those people within journalism 
were fun and quirky. Jenny Moose did offbeat stories. Yep. She didn't really do sports. Right. But it was quirky, weird shit. I was like, all right, that's interesting. Stewart talks like me. Vanner Wright will do that sports. Like, that was the era. <laughs> that was the era of when Headline News was a 30-minute repeating broadcast. Mm-hmm. And the sports section was 90 seconds. And they had a guy. And it's crazy to think about this now. But there was a guy at a time, people, where in 90 seconds, he had to give you the score of every game of the big four sports in this country. Yeah, yeah. Ape shit like talking speed and some <laughs> bone thugs and harmony. <laughs> but he enunciated every word. He uh-huh. added humor. Sure. You know, the Jays down the Rays. Blah, 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 like no time for the score of the game. Just who won. Yep. Gangies fall to the Clippers. Clippers. Blah, 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 blah. Speaking of the Lakers, the Lakers, the Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, crazy to think we now have four ESPNs. That's the way the culture's changed. It used to be you've got 90 seconds to cover all of news. Because there was no ticker. Right, exactly. This idea of constant access to sports scores was fucking foreign in 1994. Yep. So you had to watch headline news. So I go to school and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do journalism. This feels right. Mm-hmm. Ah, damn, it's the family business. Well, I didn't really plan on that. Because I really wanted, what I wanted to be was like a firefighter up until like my senior year of high school. And then Stuart Scott was the thing that like finally pushed me over the edge. So I get to school. I start doing journalism classes. Part of the prerequisites for journalism classes are theater classes for voice and diction. Oh. Public speaking. You had to take a public speaking class as well. Within the public speaking class, you had to take, um, you, you had to take um, impromptu speaking. That was like a month of coursework was Mm -hmm. impromptu speaking. During that month of impromptu speaking, the teacher would give you a a subject. You go out in the hall for 90 seconds or three minutes, whatever she gave you. And you come back in and give a speech on that topic as if you were an expert. So it was like improvised TED Talks. Every time I did it, I got a laugh. Yeah. Because I didn't know what I was doing. And it was clear I didn't know what I was doing to the point where the teacher accused me of trying to, you know, you're making fun of this. And I'm like, I'm not. I'm I don't know why they laugh. They just laugh. But I also knew that I liked the fact that they laugh. Yeah. So I would come back in and that was the manipulation again. That training is also improv training in a way. It's the same thing, which is go up there with nothing, but with great confidence, make something. Yeah. And so that was the first hit of true performance dope, as I like to call it. Right. We also had to take a creative writing course and there were like a couple different options like essay writing or whatever. For whatever reason, I chose screenwriting. So this is all part of journalism, prerequisite, whatever. Yep. Knowing what I know now, oh, you're teaching me how to create a documentary or write out a story doc. Right. You know, before you write a script, you must think about where you're going. What story are you trying to tell? So the script writing class was very pivotal too. And like the entertainment juices starting mm-hmm. to flow. Yep. And so I had always been curious about stand-up comedy. I went and watched it a couple times. I went to Florida A&M, but Florida State had comedy more frequently. Mm-hmm. And so I would go over to Florida State and watch their stand-up shows once a week or whatever just to see who was in you know, Bobby Lee like was there. Like, like just guys that are just titans now, but at the time were just... Just on a rise. Ari Spears, like a lot of a lot of the Mad TV folks, some SNL. Um, and so at the same time, me and my buddies, we're stealing jeans from the mall. Like that's my, that's just my thing. I want it to look nice. It was not some big, consp- you, know, you know what's fucked up about getting arrested in this country is that the police automatically assume you to be doing more than what they caught you for. Like the, I, like the concept of petty crime does not exist in our society's psyche anymore. It can't just be a kid being a kid. It's just, oh, no, what were you up to? What else are you doing? Are you dealing with Al-Qaeda? It's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. credit card fraud ring that's tied to Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda has been using credit cards to purchase it. Hey, man, I took a credit card that wasn't mine. I bought some jeans to impress a girl that lives up the street from campus. That's what I did. Okay, that's all it was. So yeah, this idea of going to prison or thinking or assuming I was going to prison, that was enough for me to go, well, let me try comedy. Yeah. But then, but here, here's the upside though. I got suspended from school for like almost a year. For what? 
because you can't be enrolled and commit felonies. They're like, you need to go somewhere and sit your ass down. Because mm-hmm. I'm working in the campus post office at the time. And so that's where we're getting the credit cards from. So if you commit the crime, on, you took the credit card from campus. So therefore, that is the crime that I we see. are going to suspend you on. Right. Even if the, even if the feds go, we're just going to hit you for credit card as the actual charge, you still did this act on campus. Yeah. And that is duplicitous. That is not reflective of a rattler. Get the fuck off the campus. <laughs> so I'm suspended, but then I get my financial aid check. I still, whatever, God bless the federal student loan inefficiency. And knowing what I know now, they just sent me the money so that they could keep hitting my ass with the interest. But I had a check for $8,000 and nowhere and nothing to do for like five months. All right, let's go do some open mics. And so that money became the front money for the beginning of me doing open mics around the South, just yeah. like riding a bus. You know, for the most part, I was sleeping the bus. Day. I hoarded the money because I didn't know what I would get it, you know, get me more. But I paid rent off of Golden Corral and the financial aid money. That was the money I used to start my comedy career. And then I get back in school and just fucking Dean's List the rest of the year. Because at this point, my mom, my mom found out, like, no one knows that I'm doing this shit. I know my mom's not going to approve because, you know, hey, I almost went to jail. But uh, I got it figured out, Joyce. I'm going to just sleep in bus stations. <laughs> <laughs> and stand-up will be my way out. Trust me. Yeah. Everything's fine, college administrator of 40 years. <laughs> this is a solid plan. One of her students saw me sleeping in the bus station and snitched on me. And that's how my mom found out I was doing comedy. It's like At this point, I was almost a year into it. And she asked me to stop. I refused. And I said, well, how about this? If I make good grades, because my grades were shaky up until that point. Like I was like a two, three, two, mm-hmm. four yeah. student. I go, how about this? If I make good grades while I do comedy, you have to shut the fuck up. Like, not like that, but like that was right. the basic deal. Right. If I make good grades, you have no say on anything else that happens in Florida. And she goes, cool. And then I made Dean's List. And then she bought me a car. So that I wouldn't sleep in a bus station. When did she come see your comedy for the first time? Year three, year two. Did she like it? No, I bombed. It was a coffee shop gig. It was like, it's like one of the one of those rare bombs, like a local bomb. Mm-hmm. Coffee machine was still going on. Like she didn't see me at the Ramada Inn where I normally do well. She saw like she came and saw an open mic because she was in town for some other shit. Yeah. And I bombed, and that was her image of me doing comedy for like the next like fucking three, four years. And then when I when I I graduated and I moved back to Birmingham and I started performing at the Stardome, which is like the big time club. There still is. And the Stardome, again, her students and her coworkers would see me and they would go to her and go, We saw your son, your son is funny. And enough of that. And then my mom was like, Okay, well let me let me go investigate this stuff. To those of you listening who haven't seen Roy's uh, set on the White House Correspondence Center. I thought some a moment that gave me chills is you're very funny, you've got really good jokes, you're in control, and then at the end you take a minute and you talk about why are we all here? This is to raise uh, money and donations for young correspondents. This is to try and uh, help get responsible young journalists out there and give them a start. You talk about the uh, lack of support for local news and how important local news is. You give a shout out to your mom, who's, they put a camera on her and you can tell that this is an amazing full circle. I got all these chills, you know, Mm. now I also may have been ill. (laughs) I have a, I may have had an infection. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got really sick. No, uh, I did. Did you have the fish or the steak? (laughs) I had both. Um, Now, full circle for sure. My mom lives a life of, you know, she's just in the shadow. She helps people. Like, I I would argue, it's not even an argument. My mom has done more for people in the city of Birmingham than I could ever do. Just from the countless students that she's helped get across the graduation stage and into their careers who are now prospering within the city. I, it, it's interesting in that I can be in public and I can have people come up and go, I love The Daily Show. But when I'm in Birmingham, it's people coming up and telling me stories about my mom. Yeah. Man, let me tell you, man, your mama made sure 
And I got pregnant and my mama made your mama made sure I didn't drop out. So she doesn't hear those stories. She doesn't get told thank you enough, in my opinion, for just everything that she's ever done. Not just yeah. for me, but just for this is thank you for everything. Sure. Just a whole life thing. Let me yeah. just knock that out real fast. Yeah, that was a really nice moment. And uh, as I said, resonated with me and was very, very powerful. Incredible. Uh, you mentioned The Daily Show. Got to ask, how do you like that gig? I like it. I think it's. I think late night's changing. Mm-hmm. I don't know in the what, though. Yeah. So that's the thing that's a little uneasy. It's been very fun. You know, Trevor's departure was definitely not a shock. Him leaving was not a shock to me. When was more of the shock and how, Yeah. you know, like yeah. that. Because I don't even think anybody knew. No one knew. Yeah. Not a soul. And he just said it on the show. And then we went to a commercial break. Wow. <laughs> it's like, what? Have you asked him why that about that thought process that went behind that? Or is that a mystery? I think, I think a lot of it was just boiled down to, I just didn't want anybody to talk me out of it. Because when you're doing something that monumental, everybody's going to have an opinion. And that's yeah. just him taking yep. control over his own life and decisions. Yep. So I respect it. I I enjoy it. I've had a lot of fun on The Daily Show, the question becomes, what is late night changing into? Because our job is to parody the news, but if the way people get their news is changing, then the vehicles and how we parody have to match the evolution of how news is consumed. Yeah. But how news is being consumed, that's the question that has to be explored and looked at. How do you parody Marjorie Taylor Greene? How do you parody... What's really happening because, oh, yeah, yeah. because what's really happening, Santos and back in the day uh, when I was getting started writing comedy in college, you know, I was part of this Lampoon organization that would do like a parody of Time Magazine, a parody of Newsweek. And you can parody something that's got a straight line. You can parody something that's very stiff and formal. Universally, everybody understands. Understands. And then so a parody of it is kind of delightful. But we always knew you can't parody the National Enquirer. I think Saturday Night Live struggles with that. I think everybody struggles with it. Yeah, I do think that there is a way to fish in a different pond from the traditional people who we get the opinions from. Yep, yep. So I think that's part of the evolution. You know, when you look at TikTok and Instagram, what's interesting and what, and a lot of this is from the shutdown, a lot of people who were former consumers of information now purport themselves to be distributors. Yeah. Of information. And we regular Joe Blow people accept them as aggregators. Of, well, uh, this guy Tim said it. So let me see what Tim has to say. He's got a good camera and that's a nice lens. <laughs> I trust Tim now. He's I, got a good beanbag chair behind yeah, him. Yeah. I follow yeah. him on YouTube now. Yeah. So there are more people putting information out there as well. And I think to a degree, you know, as a society, as a country at least, we've become okay with not caring who we get our news from yeah, or the accuracy of it. And I think that the parody lies in that. Yeah. I think the parody lies not necessarily in what the news of the day is, but the delivery method of it. You know, and as we would, you know, people go to bed, like, let's just be real about the ratings, the ratings of linear television as yeah. a whole yeah not even late night everything's going down mm-hmm. so if ratings are going down part of it is because people are laying in bed looking at tim and his beanbag and his led light because mm-hmm. that's just as good and entertaining for them as what's nice and polished on a shiny floor studio yeah i i i will tell you this uh I'm an old timer and I came up in late night at a time when late night shows, there weren't that many, but because of the way TV was structured, these shows made money hand over fist. And that's why shows had an orchestra. They had a big band. They had, you know, money. That is not the way it is anymore. And so you will see the effects. The effects will be maybe some of these late night shows, uh, you know, as hosts retire or leave, we'll be replaced with something else. Maybe that time we'll go back to the affiliates. Everyone's speculating, but who knows what's going to happen. I do have to say this, because I know you're a busy man. I want to let you go, but I do sincerely feel really good that you're out there. You're a really good man. You're very 
uh, thoughtful and, and crazily talented. And I'm glad you're out there and you're thinking about this because I think it makes me feel better about the whole world <laughs> of comedy. I'm serious. I'm being honest with you. Thank it you. makes me uh, always have been very impressed with you. And I'm just, the more you do, the more just crazily impressed I am. So uh, go forth, continue uh, doing great work and i know that we're in good hands like when i when i meet people much younger than me who are you know ethical and and wise and creative i feel better i sleep better at night so thank you well, seriously thank you. thank you brother yeah appreciate you for having me well i appreciate you now please get out <laughs> <laughs> i wanted it to end with me throwing you out <laughs> get out i said get out So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have... Issues are things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time, don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Recently, I was in New York City and I was walking down the street and a gentleman came out of his establishment. The establishment is EJ's Luncheonette. And this guy, Jay, came out, Jay Elmore, I believe. We start, started chatting. He offered up that he would make sandwiches that are named after the three of us because he's a regular podcast listener. I thought that was very nice. So uh, we came up with some ideas for sandwiches. I guess they're selling them at EJ's Luncheonette. I'd like to know what's going on. Do you know? Do you have an update here? That's uh, right. Matt? I've been talking a little bit with Jay, who seems like a wonderful person. Uh, Sona, you had a gyro. Mm -hmm. uh, you had a corned beef mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I had a, a Maddie melt on Hawaiian bread. Was yeah. what, what it was called. Yeah. And then um, he gave me an update on this. Okay. And uh, also, he put the chilled chum cocktail on there. Remember that from? Uh, this is a good fan we yeah. have. He really yeah. knows his stuff. Uh, he says, just wanted to thank you for everything. I hope you all enjoy having your own sandwich. It was an honor and a pleasure to do them. Should we add the cocktail, blah, 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 blah. And then just a fun fact for you, the Maddie Melt almost doubled the amount sold of Conan and Sona's sandwich on the first day. Hmm. Things have leveled out since with Conan's sandwich and Sona's gyro. 
Thanks again for everything. Truly super cool of you guys to do. You've made my day slash week slash month slash year. That's very sweet. That's uh, nice. Well, wait a minute. First of all, what he's saying is that initially your sandwich took off and ours did not. I mean, ours probably did fine, but yours went through the roof. Yeah. Yours again, what's in it? It's Hawaiian bread. And then it's a patty melt, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and mine was, I believe, your classic corned beef, Russian dressing. Mm-hmm. Bu- I think it's on a bulky roll, possibly. I don't know. I mean, that's a great sandwich. And then yours mine is Mine was a gyro without tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. What's a gyro again? A gyro is a, it's in a, it's a, it's Greek and it's, it's oh, a pita yes. sandwich yep. with, uh, with like donut, lamb donut and uh, lettuce and tzatziki. Right. And onions. Okay. Uh, so your sandwich was the initially the clear winner, but what I find curious is that then your sandwich was fast out of the gate, but now it feels like it's the mania for it has died down. No, I wouldn't say that. I would say that people wanted to give the other ones a shot, and then probably we're going to see a huge boost in the Maddie Melt again as they realize that was a mistake, and or, again they go back to their true love. Or I, they tried it and it sucked. But why would they try it so much? Well, initially, it's not the same people buying it over and yeah, over again. It's not. It's, it's me. not. I'm out there buying. No. It. First of all, we all know that you hired people, Confederates, agents, to go in there and purchase your sandwich to uh, to game the system. I think there's a lot of people who aren't familiar with Hawaiian bread. They thought it was exotic. They probably thought it was a way to win a free trip to Hawaii, and so uh, no, that no that probably skewed things a little bit. Then they came to their senses and said, man, corned beef, Russian no. dressing, that's a classic. No, there's no human that tastes Hawaiian bread that will ever go back. It's that good. What if I can find someone who's had a taste of Hawaiian bread and didn't like it? Hey, they don't exist. Isn't Hawaiian bread small? Yeah, I think you can get it bigger. Can you? Yeah, normally the they come ones, in those little slider buns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a slider. So maybe you were selling so many because people yes, needed more. Thank you. In order to no, look at the size. Satiate themselves. The, yes, no. they needed seven of your sandwiches yeah. to equal one of mine, and that's yeah, why yours stop. sold more per sandwich. There's a big one piece. Let me see. of Hawaiian bread. Stop your bullshit dickery. Also, um, who wants a big Hawaiian? I do. Oh my God. Do. I have Everybody to say, do. Everyone, everyone. Oh, do wait a minute. A small wait piece. a minute. Sona, of the three sandwiches, only one has an American flag sticking out of it. That's right. We covered this, remember? Hold it. And it's Gourley's. That's why you're outselling it because we're a patriotic people, Americans. Yeah. You cheated. No, this because was your when you, idea yeah. to put that in. Remember the 48 stars? I know, but I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm admitting that I this alters the experiment because the fact that your sandwich is flying an American flag and your gyro it's a gyro I mean and, okay you could pronounce it gyro like yeah but, gyro there you go by the way do. it's also Hawaiian bread yeah okay um and it is a corned beef <laughs> what uh, it is a corned beef uh, anyway this is what's happening. Your sandwich looks like it's pro-American. Our sandwiches are neutral, but if you're buying something at EJ's Luncheonette, you assume that our sandwiches are anti-American because if- Well, two, maybe they are. If, if one person on the street's flying the American flag yeah. and the other two houses on either side conspicuously are not, that means they're communists. Maybe, or yeah, yeah are there anarchists? Or anarchists, yeah. or socialists. But there is a market for those people, and our yeah. sandwiches are for those people. No, don't say if that. If you hate yeah. America, yeah. Oh, boo. buy no. our sandwiches. Yes, no. That's absolutely right. No, we've got You're to even a Nazi. this out. You're a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> Nazi? Yep. No, I think that I. I that's not, is that even Hawaiian bread? Yes. I don't think it is. Look no, it's regular bread. That's regular bread wearing a little Hawaiian shirt. That's no. Good, that's what it is. Here's like what I think we should do. These are classic quips I'm giving, by the way. <laughs> Jay, Amazing. I want to reach out. Aaron, we got to make this happen. We need to gold belly these three sandwiches to us, which is a service where you can fly food across the country. I think like it's in a little cooler, like you would put yeah. a, a heart in a transplant. Wow, what a responsible ice. carbon footprint we're leaving. <laughs> Sir, we'd like three sandwiches named after ourselves <laughs> flown in a jumbo jet. How does it work? Each with a first class seat. I mean, I don't want to say this, but we could just buy this stuff here and no, pretend. No, oh, no, no. Spoken I, like a true communist. I'm yes. the asshole. You guys want to get a whole cooler sent here of sandwiches. Heretic. Yes. Oh, please. We're in show business. And people in show business have, I want a leg of lamb. 
made up, that was slaughtered on Staten Island flown to me immediately. That's the way people behave. Isn't it just easier for all of you guys to fly to New York and yeah. try? You know what? No. Eduardo has a point. Yeah, or we prob- fly eat. Jay? Jay can oh, yeah. come here and make these sandwiches here. Oh, so Jay, yeah, I want to update no, on what, what the sandwich selling rankings are. Uh, like what's the most current tally yeah and who's winning and if you're in new york and you don't buy this euro you hate greek people <laughs> but you're an anarchist you're a socialist who hates greek people sure and if okay. you don't buy the yeah. patty melt you get kicked out of the country frankly yeah, yeah. okay so everyone's gonna buy the patty melt okay <laughs> well listen by the way honor working with both of you <laughs> truly <laughs> greatest talents I've ever been associated with. All right. Well, there you've heard it. Uh, go to EJ's Luncheonette if you want to try our sandwiches. And I'm telling you, corned beef, Russian dressing. Um, Why are we buying these, Dan? Why isn't he sending them to us? I'm tell- no, we want it. We want people to go to EJ's and buy these sandwiches. No, he's talking about having a service send them to us. Like, Jay, send us these sandwiches. Yeah. Please. What's the problem with that? Huh? Brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Strokje krogi from this Then in Gorbachev, Gorbachev's name in the end. Stalin Brezhnev too. Just a list. Feet soup with beef au jus. Oh, God. God. All right. Well, anyway, uh, we'll get these sandwiches somehow. We'll figure it out and we'll do it in, I think, a way that's uh, responsible. Yeah. 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 Irresponsible. That's important. All right. We'll update you. God bless and good night. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gourley. Produced by me, Matt Gourley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Nick Liao, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.